There's a big thing about wilding, isn't there, at the moment, where you sort of wild the land and let it be how it should be. And we've done the same with Pip. She's been fully wilded. <laughs> My that's, parents that's did it with thing. me, and it was fine. <laughs> this week on Walking the Dog, I went to Oxfordshire to chat with a guest who's appeared before with a borrowed dog to find out what life was like now he's become a dog owner himself. He's a brilliant comic and a publishing phenomenon. His memoir, This Is Going To Her, even outsold Michelle Obama. It is, of course, the ridiculously talented Adam Kay, who took me for a stroll with his adorable Airedale Pip. Pip had even had a grooming appointment for the day. I mean, I know you're busy, but you could have done the same, Adam. And we had the loveliest time. Adam is that rare thing. He's someone totally unchanged by success. He's so genuine and just a thoroughly decent person. We chatted about his move to the country with his wonderful husband, James, the joys of dog ownership and the books he's written recently for a younger audience, Kay's Anatomy and the forthcoming Kay's Marvellous Medicine, a gross and gruesome history of the human body, which is utterly hilarious and fascinating. It's that book you wish you'd had as a kid. So do grab a copy when it's out on September 30th or pre-order it right now via Amazon. I loved my day with Adam. Although I would like to apologise for the various comfort breaks Ray decided to take on Adam and James's beautiful stone floor. Thanks, Ray. You've just completely ruined our chance of a Cotswolds mini-break. I'll shut up now so you can listen to the man himself. Here's Adam and Pip. Why is Pip eating my car, Adam? She's checking it. She's checking it. Doing her checks. <laughs> doing her checks? Yeah, Pip. Why is Pip pulled up my microphone now? Because <laughs> she's a wretch. Should we go? Should we walkies? Yeah, walkies? I'm gonna. I'm gonna decide I've had enough water because otherwise I've got too many things to hold, and you're just going to end up holding my water, and that's pathetic. I can hold your water. No, 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 absolutely not. No, I've, I've done. I'm done. Okay. She's going to walk, Pip. Good idea. Pip, do you take her off the lead, Adam? No, I mean, we have done, but then she. Uh, makes a run for it and tries to find a better life for herself uh, elsewhere. So uh, <laughs> we have to be quite we have to be quite careful about that. I mean, we let her off inside. Yeah. And uh, oh, that's generous. <laughs> and, uh, okay, occasionally, if, you know, but um, but she's not. It's not one of the dogs that just stays by your side. There was there was a bit of a problem with training her, um, which was. Um, we did we didn't do it and <laughs> now she's not trained so um but it was it was all during lockdown and it was you know and also socializing with um uh with people she didn't or other dogs we, <laughs> we couldn't do which we, we looked it up and it was like if if it's like I think you could only she there was you could only socialise the dog at these classes if if you were like I think not just it didn't it wasn't a key worker wasn't enough it needed to be like super crucial I think you needed to I don't know like run a hospital or something the Surgeon General yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway um, and so we sort of ignored that side of things and uh, and now uh, now it's a bit too late she knows how to sit Pip sit sit. Good girl. I mean, she knows the word. She's just choosing not to, not to do it. I think um, she really recognises the word. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's overrated, civilising dogs. Yeah, they weren't meant to be like this, were they? They, you know, there's a big thing about wilding, isn't there, at the moment, where you sort of wild the land and let it be how it should be. And we've done the same with Pip. She's been fully wilded. <laughs> My That's, parents did it with thing. me, and it was fine. <laughs> 
I'm going to introduce you. Okay. Because I'm so excited to be here. This is the second time that yep. this man has appeared on the podcast. Run out of guests doing the second circuit. It's fine. Can I say, there have only been, this is very special, because only two other guests have appeared on this podcast twice, I think. Di Morgan, she got a dog after appearing on this, and Lee Mack. And now, Are you, you saying they got dogs because they went... I'm going to say I didn't get my dog because of going on your podcast. I'm putting that on the record. But, it, I mean, it was nice to hang out with the dog, I knew, but I was, I was always, I'd been petitioning for a dog for a good decade uh, before. <laughs> well, I'm very excited to introduce part two with his actual own dog. My own dog. The wonderful Adam Kay. And... Since you came on last time, we should talk a bit. You're with your dog. Do you want to introduce your dog? Uh, yeah, so this Formally. is Pippin, and she's an Airedale Terrier, which is like the, the largest uh, type of, of terrier. And so she's the, so she's like sort of, sort of, no, like sort of almost Labrador size, but uh, with, the, with the sort of temperament of a, of a terrier who's obviously been wilded. Um, and uh, she's 17 months old, but still quite, quite puppy-ish. She's absolutely beautiful. And she's got sort of David Lee Roth, Europe, final countdown vibe on the hair front, which I love. Yeah, I mean, she normally looks more sort of scraggly, like a, like, like a child's picture of a dog where they've done lots of sort of scribbling um, to, to, to denote the hair. But she did go, and this is... I, I don't think this was deliberate. I think it was just when she was previously booked in to the groomers. So she did go yesterday. And so she's, she's a bit blow-dried. And then she'll jump in a stream or something. And that'll be that. <laughs> so I've come to meet you because last time, which we'll talk about, you didn't have your own dog. You've now got Pip, which is why you're on again. And also because you've moved. I have moved, And yeah. last time we were in West London and now we're in Oxfordshire, which is where you're currently residing. Yeah, it's it's very much where I'm residing. Um, we um, suspiciously, uh, shortly before the plague hit, uh, we abandoned London and moved to moved to the countryside, um, which was uh, which is great to be honest. I mean, um, it's just I've I've always lived in London. I guess I've sort of associated myself with being a Londoner, whatever that means, and. Uh, and uh, James grew up in the Scottish borders and sort of the countryside had less of, a, less of an appeal to him. And we should uh, say that's your husband? That's my husband, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and which came first, as the decision to get the dog? Have a husband dog. or a dog? <laughs> dog. I went straight to the dog, just so you know. Let's get the husband bit. Um, and sort of turned the dog into a strange, unhealthy husband figure. Anyway, that's a whole other story. Um, were you the one lobbying for the dog rather than James, your yes. husband? Yes. Um, James was the one saying, oh, but the smell and the pissing and the shitting and it'll be, you know, it'll be me who has to do all the walking. Mm. Um, and, uh, and he was right. Uh, <laughs> she stinks, she pisses, she, she shits and he has to do all the walking. So in fairness to him, he was, he was absolutely spot on. But, uh, but uh, he does love her very much. And why did you go for an Airedale? Um, they, uh, some of my... Uh, best friends are Airedales. <laughs> some of my best friends are Airedales, yeah. Um, they're the only breed I knew, really. So I went for that. 
Um, no, so when, uh, when I was growing up, family friends, uh, who we, we were a cat household, um, and, but uh, these family friends we stayed with a, a lot, a lot, um, had an amazing Airedale called, uh, called Meg, and, and they've had Airedales um, ever since, current one's called Maisie, and uh, I just love them. They're very silly, yeah. they're quite sassy, um, I, I think I think their tr their training is in uh, as as an otter. You've, hound. you've heard, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think I think that's what that's what oh, that's, that's the profession she would go into if I hadn't so that's pushed when... her into domesticity. <laughs> um, she would just be hounding otters all the time. So she, they're tr so they're sort of that their origin story essentially is that is that's what they were bred to do. Is that right? Yeah, and then they moved to Yorkshire. Um, is that where Airedale is? Air? Air? Anyway, whatever. Um, and now I'm, I'm a bit hazy on all of this, but I, th I, remember, I remember otters are involved somehow. She's really beautiful, Adam. I absolutely love her. She is. She's quite, she's quite, quite unusual. You don't see lots of them around. It's like, I don't know, like driving a Morris Minor or something. <laughs> you, you wave to other ones as you go past. It was weird, though. She's, she's, uh, she's met two... Airedales um, before, oh. and they really, really, really know when it's their own breed. So she, um, she obviously with um, you, you saw with Ray what she what she tries to do when she meets a new dog. Generally, is try to kill them or <laughs> push them over, them. Uh, but with Airedales, uh, when she, the two she's met, it's just been much more all right. So, uh, oh, she has respect for her own. She does. She's got yeah. that sort of, it's a bit of a craze attitude, I think she has, which is, I look after my own. Yes, no, exactly. Or maybe it's just, maybe it's just confusion and she just sort of suddenly sees <laughs> another dog that looks... There's a... There's a, about once every... Once every month or so, mm. um, someone sends me a tweet of this this sort of meme from the internet so and it says in the 1980s you had to carry all of this with you and now it's all on your phone it's a man holding a, a map and a you know a, an analog telephone and a ghetto blast and all these things and it's this this old photo and the uh and the the actor the model or whatever in the person looks exactly like me but is not <laughs> me and uh and so, so much so that whenever this does the rounds, <laughs> you know, people will, uh, people will be like, oh, is that, what's, what's going on here? Um, so I wonder, if, uh, I wonder if that's what happens when she meets another, <laughs> another Airedale. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Oh, I really like her, Az. She's so sweet. She likes you too, and you can tell that. She's not constantly woofing. So that was, oh. my, that was my concern, is that we might have to like, do a dummy one where I'm pretending I've got the dog and you'll be, we'll be saying things like, oh, look at her um, chewing that grass and jumping over the stile. Uh, <laughs> we'd have left her at home in disgrace. She'd just go, whoa, 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 whoa. Does she bark at people then? Yes, she does. And what um, normally sets her off? Um, people, uh, except for me and James. And... And you, it turns out. Uh, church bells. Church bells is a big problem. I think it gets quite distressed by them, but that's fine because we live opposite a church uh, where they do constant bell practice. Uh, so, should have, should have thought of that. It's like sort of when you go around a house, you should check the, 
you should check the, 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 what the Wi-Fi is like <laughs> and what the phone signal is like. If we ever move, I think we need to check there's no bells. And the weird <laughs> thing is, so I get if you've got a church, you do, some, you do your bell practice or whatever, but this church, they've only got one bell, there's only one note, so it's just the practice for an hour at a time is gong, 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 gong. Oh. It's not even the ding, 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 whatever. <laughs> anyway, so that's, so she doesn't like that. Um, she's not very, she's not very food orientated, mm. which uh, also makes it slightly tricky to, for the whole training uh, stuff. But she's very happy here because it's nice to be in the country because you've got so much more space for her. It, it is, yeah, and uh, I think James also made the very reasonable point uh, that it's, you know, with a big dog in London, it's a bit, it's not great on the market, you know, our garden in London was, you know, tiny and, uh, and now, uh, now it's slightly she bigger and then she can shit where she likes. <laughs> As can you and James. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, miles from anywhere. So tell me, so we should talk about the first time you came on the podcast. It was a debacle, wasn't it? Um, it went, so a lot was edited, it's fair to say, uh, from what, what, what happened and my report back when I got home about how, how, how my chat went with Emily was very different to what, what, was, what, went, what went out uh, uh, actually on air. And uh, we, I, had a, I had a rental, um, a rental dog. It, it wasn't, was a lovely dog. It, I'll tell you what, I, it... I can't remember the dog's name it was golden lurcher so basically it was dog was being quite naughty and sort yeah. of generally woofing and snapping and whatever but uh professionals that we are managed to keep keep, keep the dog under control i'm going to say him because i can't remember if it was a boy or no, I can't there's a lot that i blocked out from there from, <laughs> <laughs> from this and and then there was one point when a woman was cycling past and uh and the dog just went for her. Yeah. Smacked her off the bike, destroyed her clothing. Yeah. It was like a big rip down her, down her dress or her trousers or whatever it was. And it got slightly worse because not only had, had the dog knocked her off the bike and, um, and destroyed her clothing, but she was on the way to an interview. And the trouser leg was ripped. And understandably, she was very upset, this woman. Yes, she was on her way to an interview. I know. Well, I paid for her to buy a new pair of trousers. Oh, did you? Oh, that's nice. She and said, how, about, how about the job of her dreams? Well, she sent me an... <laughs> did you employ her? She sent me an email. Marketing executive. And the subject line was, the trousers bitten. Which I thought was a new Agatha Christie play. Oh, yeah. Someone was telling me about. I worried that might have put you off, but it hasn't. No, but, uh, but this time we're in rural Oxfordshire and... There should, there's, I can see no one. We should be safe. Do you like this solitude, Ads? Do you think you prefer the, the, the quiet here? Um, yeah, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I'm not a million miles from, uh, from London, so it's possible to, to go back, you know, when, when legal. But there's something, I don't know, I think I'm calmer. So there's something about, in London, everything's sort of on top of you, isn't it? And it's yeah. all very, it's all a bit crowded, which it definitely isn't. Uh, definitely it can, isn't yeah, it's a bit like, I imagine sort of 
huge fame is and you can't turn it off, you know. I mean, I should point out I don't have huge fame. Uh, and so my fame is very easy to turn off because I get... Uh, even in London, someone would notice me about once every two months. And mostly that was, are you the guy from the meme with the, with the phone and the ghetto blaster? What do people say when they recognise you? I suspect they're quite friendly, aren't they? Yeah, no, I think I've got, it's, it's nice, it's nice, it's nice people. Um, I, I used to get recognised a bit at university as the singer from Good Charlotte. Uh, uh, but I, I didn't, uh, but... Uh, well, I was so, t- t- um, telling someone the other day, the worst lookalike I've ever had was I got in a cab once and the driver said, has anyone ever told you you really look like the Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz? <laughs> I imagine when people do recognise you, it's quite nice because they're familiar with your work as a writer. You know, you're famous as a writer, so it's not like they've seen you doing something which you're not terribly proud of, or do you know what I mean? It's like, actually, this is... You're assuming I'm proud of the stuff I've written. <laughs> well, I hope you are. Um, it's, yeah, no, it's sort of... Yeah, I, I've never sort of particularly courted fame, so I don't, like... I don't generally go on panel shows and stuff. Isn't fame the sort of unfortunate byproduct? of success such as it is for me but um I th- I, it's, i've always sort of struggled to understand why you would want the fame bit which is the stuff that's intrusive upon your life um in you know as your primary aim um damage <laughs> <laughs> you know i quote sometimes that f scott fitzgerald thing which you always said which is that proof of good parenting is that the child has no desire to be famous. Ah. And I think what he was specifically referring to, in fairness, is, you know, the sort of fame for its fame's sake. Yes. So he's not saying, oh, you know, if your yes. kid excels in something and wants to pursue that, that makes absolute sense, you know. But um, it's more just that... Nor- and I've never felt that with you. I've always felt that the work is the thing. I mean, it's really difficult to become famous as a as a... As, a, as an author, that's that's a quite good thing about my my line of work, um, I guess. But I mean, it's I mean, it's also it's a slightly it's quite a big call to to uh, go up to someone and say, "Oh, are you author X?" When you're sort of recognising them from the uh, photo taken probably ten to fifteen years ago uh, on the <laughs> on the back of a you know inside flap of a book cover. Well, that, um, I'm glad you brought that book up because. I want to discuss, I mean, all of your books, because there are quite a few of them now. And that book is now, what, what are we talking now on the millions front? Where are we up to? Have you stopped counting? I, I can imagine someone's counting. I mean, I think, I think it's sort of like three million God. books. Of, like This Is Gonna Hurt and the, and the Christmas one I did. I think that was, I think the adult books were about that. So, I yeah. think that's phenomenal, isn't it? Unless it's just one person who's just bought loads of copies. <laughs> They'd recognise me, <laughs> that level of commitment. Have you had a chance to sit down and kind of pat yourself on the back, really? Yeah, I do it all the time. <laughs> Tell myself I'm greater. Um, no, I mean, I sort of... It's... No, it's extraordinary, and I sort of... It's definitely changed my, changed my life, obviously, and... Uh, Are you a monster now? 
the, the biggest single thing it's uh, it's done is it's given me the creative freedom yeah. to only pursue the projects um, I want to do. And um, also it means uh, that when I'm having a fight with, with James and he says, uh, you know, what they send, you know, some sort of thing, I'll sort of point at something, you know who paid for all this? So that's quite good. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I've been, I've been a jobbing writer. We're going we go through, through the gate. Here? Yeah. You'll go through the gate. Oh. Pip sometimes sits when, it gets to, when she gets to a gate. Okay. She likes going through things. Oh, Pip, Pip you're going to sit. You're going to sit. You're going to sit. No. Pip, do you want to sit? Sit. Good girl. Good girl. For the, rec for the record, yeah. Pip has just sat. And we, and we asked her to. What are you getting here? Oh my God, a tree Good duck girl. Am I, Shall I give her one? Yeah, <gasps> we'll love you forever. Is she allowed this one? It's called a chewy duck fillet. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you were asking me if she was allowed it. Uh, you unfortunately paused for a second, which gave her time to remove not only the chewy duck fillet from your hand, but the microphone from your lapel. Now, we're going to give you another one. No. No. Do you Good. want to lay? No. No. Should we see if we can make you lay? Pip, lay. Lay. She didn't lay. So we were saying about fame, you were saying the good things. Yeah, you're, you're, you've got creative freedom, I understand that. And you're so, I mean, comfortable, I spent... you're not worrying about... Yeah, so like, if you look at any writer, so I was, before books I, I mostly wrote... Uh, uh, telly, exclusively mm. telly, and um, if you look at any sort of fledgling writer's IMDb page or whatever, it's this sort of random program generator, yeah. and like you sort of, you know, you've you've written for, you've written for, uh, an episode of Holby, <laughs> and now you're writing for, you know, a sports report on for Sky, and then you're sort of you're sort of just taking any work that uh, that you can get and. Uh, because it's very difficult to get any work whatsoever, and so, and it's a, it's a luxury to work. So I, I was I was there for a while. I sort of eventually, sort of found uh, found um, some stuff that I was sort of regularly getting getting booked for. Mm. Um, but now I can I can work at what I what I really want to do. It's which is your of... podcast twice. <laughs> you should say. There are. You wrote. This is going to hurt. Was my first book. Yeah. Then it was the night shift before night shift. Christmas, which is um, what happened was um, I went, when I was sort of pulling all my diaries together from from time on the wards. Uh, there were sort of because I worked a disproportionate number of Christmases, basically all of them. I had loads of diary entries from Christmas, and my editor was like, "It's quite Christmassy, isn't it? This book." <laughs> I was like, all right. And so maybe we'll, we, we we cut a lot of those out, and then. Um, uh, and then sort of put that together as a as a Christmas book, which uh, which was and then you did the um, NHS book, which did phenomenally well. And yeah, that must have felt really rewarding. Is that another nice byproduct of this in a way? You know, that you've that was, got uh, a voice that, and can be heard. I mean, that's I mean that is uh, yeah. Thank you. You've given me you've given me a way to sound uh, to sound nicer. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean that's that is probably the the best byproduct of of all this. I do have, you know, I am now someone who can represent the you know the voice of my former profession and um and uh and it meant that through lockdown when i had this sort of 
I guess a feeling of sort of helplessness as a lot of us did. Yeah. You know, what can, you know, is there anything we can do to help? And, uh, and came up um, with, uh, together with Orion, who published it, um, the idea of this book called Dear NHS, um, where uh, we got a bunch of, bunch of people, 100 people, well, 104, because it was like when you're inviting people to a wedding, you know, they're not going to say yes, and then too many people said yes. Oh, no, you were just meant to say, I'm really sorry I can't make it and send a sort of £50 Selfridges voucher. Um, anyway, so um, uh, 104, 100-ish um, people, uh, and the brief was just to say, write something about a personal experience mm. of, the, of the NHS, I didn't say make it sad or make it funny or make it poignant or about you or about your, your mum or about your whatever. Um, and, uh, and people sent in this extraordinary... Uh, uh, I mean, I, I'm hugely proud of it. I, had, I actually had very little to do with it other than sending out the letters in the, in the first place and writing a couple of words at the, at the front. But it was a, it's a very beautiful love mm. letter, really, to, uh, to the NHS, which obviously... Um, we've never relied on more than we, we have um, in the last um, year and a half, and it's and it's raised a phenomenal amount for for charity. Obviously, all the all the, all the profits we gave away, which is uh, last time I heard was north of four hundred grand, wow. which is proper proper proper, and that was going to NHS charities together and the Lullaby Trust, who are a, um, a great charity who I who I support a lot, who um, uh, look after families bereaved of babies. And, uh, and young kids, and uh, and so I mean that was that that was a hugely fulfilling thing to do during lockdown. And sometimes it's just mm. nice to, you know, nice to do something where you think you're somehow helping. And that yeah, that's obviously something that uh, I wouldn't have been able to do um, if I was uh, still script editing BBC Three shows. Paul McCartney might not have opened the email. This is like I'm some kind it. of gate. Oh, I'm metal, gonna... metal gate. I mean, if we're relying on me for the country ways, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> I'm giving it a go. And that one a go, and, and then, then, the, then that one across the top. Oh wait, wait! I've got, I've got a new system. Hang on. Let's do that one first. Do you like that I'm turning, opening a gate into the crystal maze to ask? There we go. Oh, do you know I feel really proud of myself? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and we need to close it because we remember the countryside codes. <laughs> That's still a thing. That was a thing when I was. It feels quite 1970s public yes, information. The countryside film. code. It was like I take nothing but animals, kill nothing but animals, <laughs> whatever. What it was, well, take nothing but memories, photographs, kill nothing oh, is that but time. It was? I don't know. It was like close the fucking gates. It was the. <laughs> there was the Australian drink and drive ad they used to show a lot, which is, you know, we had all these clunk click or you might. Oh yeah. Whereas in Australia they just said. If you drink and drive, you're a bloody idiot. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, no, Ten that's second good. campaign. Do me your dog voice, Adam. Like if you're with Pip and it's just you two, what would you say to her? Uh, no, we, I, 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 I speak to dogs the same way that I speak to uh, children, the same way that I speak to adults. Okay. Because they're sort of, I don't particularly like this sort of infantilization of infants <laughs> that people do maybe they should maybe, actually maybe they should be infantilized anyway so anyway when i'm talking to my nieces and nephews or anything we just have a, yeah. i just have a conversation with them that they can't understand uh because so what's the point how are you going to learn the language you know, you know if you're learning french or something they don't do the french equivalent of the coochie coochie coo and so anyway but um and that's how i talk to that's how i talk to pip come on then let's hear a little burst of you and pip so would you say pip come to daddy I don't think I'd call myself that. 
It would, it's, uh, Pip, can you drop that? Oh, come on, come on, just, just drop everything. Oh, that's the thing. It's like, every single time we're out and she sort of picks up a thing, a sort of, a sort of plastic lid from a milk bottle, Pip, drop. And then, just, I just want to give the sort of overall global message to just drop things. What are you doing there? Hey, come on. But you had, just to go back to the success of the NHS book, and I felt during lockdown, you did become, I think, quite a sort of key figure for the NHS, really. Um, oh, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that at all. Um, I just felt, I found you quite a reassuring presence, I suppose. Okay, I mean, most people have said the opposite, uh, which was that I was uh, right at the start. I'm not, not saying I'm sort of any kind of mega brain genius, but I, I called it quite loudly as worse than the government were saying it was. And there was a, and there was a, there was a moment, I don't even remember, it was an awful moment back in February when um, we, we, we were seeing these uh, sort of gurneys being wheeled out of Italian hospitals. And at that point it was something like two, like two three hundred people a, a day dying in, in Italy. And and we were still sort of saying there's no need to lock down, there's no need to do anything, there's no need to do anything other than sing happy birthday and wash your hands. And I, and I said, you know, if we, you know, if we don't do something, if we don't actively do something to stop people transmitting this to each other, this is us in a fortnight. Because, you know, it was, the, the virus has just behaved predictably in every single country it's been in. And we're somehow pretending that British pluck will stop us getting infected or something. And, uh, and so, and I was, you know, and I said this and, uh, and it got quite, you know, got quite noisy uh, when I said it for, for whatever reason. And there were sort of responses from the, the government and Peston and all that sort of stuff. Um, basically saying, this is nothing like Italy. It's absurd to compare the two places. And a lot of sort of saying that I was doom mongering, but I was just sort of, I don't know, that was just, that was my vibe. And so, and I guess, you know, and a, at that time, a bunch of people started following me um, uh, for sort of, for my sort of uh, predictions and prognostications about, about this side of thing when they shouldn't have followed me. And obviously I just got, I got one thing right once, but I, I have always, you know, followed sort of people who, who I, I trusted and retweeted anything mm. they, they said. And, um, but yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know why you found it reassuring, but I'm glad you did. Maybe... Uh, well, uh, I just found it, it's always handy to have you on, a, on the speed dial. <laughs> because as you know, um, as someone who considers themselves within your friendship group, you do get calls from all of us quite a lot. Yeah, it's nice. It's like... Uh, <laughs> you say it's, it's nice. It's like sort of... It's, it's, Oh. Ah! Sorry. What is it, Adam? Uh, I'm going to say that's a dead squirrel. Oh. What's protocol? I think we leave it and keep walking. Pip, we don't want you having that. <laughs> and then you decided to write books for a, a young audience, which I really want to congratulate you on because I loved the first one, Kay's Anatomy. Love that you did that pun. Yeah, a pun, obviously, no single <laughs> child uh, reading it. No one between the age of seven and 12 is going to go, oh my God, Kay's anatomy. Presumably in 20 years time, <laughs> they'll be like, oh, 
Woo! It'll get rerun on whatever, whatever channels replace Dave. And they'll go, oh! Oh, Kay's in that. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right and smile. And talk me through your new one, because it's Kay's Marvellous Medicine. Kay's Marvellous Medicine, and it's, yeah. It's so brilliant, Ads. Oh. I absolutely loved it, because you know what struck me when I was reading it? That I thought, this is really making me laugh. I mean, just, I don't know what it says about me, that I opened a page and it said, true or poo? And I was on the floor laughing for about half an hour. And every time I saw it again, I would start laughing at true or poo. Yeah, I mean, what it says about you is the same thing it says about me, is that we have the sense of humour of a seven to 12 year old. But I loved it. But also, it honestly, what also struck me about this, this book is that, and it's something that's true of all your writing, is that, it's, it's not only funny, but it's, um, it's rigorous and it's, you can tell that work has gone into it. And I just get the sense that you have a strong work ethic and whatever you're doing... Don't believe it. You think, I need to do this to the best of my ability. Is that, is that true of you? Do you sort of, not agonise, but are you quite forensic about detail and getting it right? I am. I mean, you're only as good as your last thing, obviously. And... Um, and if you're an author, you're only going to produce a certain number of, of books. Um, and I just need to make sure that they're as good as they, 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 they can be. Um, and yeah, I like getting it right. And also, um, the, the harder I work on it, um, the better it'll be, uh, mm. the more people will love me. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about doing a... a, a a kid's book, I, I really, really, really didn't want to dial it in. There are two ways of, 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 of writing kids' books, and, uh, and I think one involves a bit more work than the other, and I just wanted to, to make sure I was on the, on the right, on right side of it. And um, like we were talking about, about uh, not patronising the dog, yeah. um, it's, you know, I, 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 wrote, I wrote as I would for adults in my first draft, and then I worked out what wasn't going to work and what I wanted to... to to, to play with which was um, you know often it was just taking out uh, references to Star Starsky and Hutch and, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and all the swear words and then other than that I think and I'm glad I'm glad that you found you know bits funny because the idea was that I'm just writing jokes but they're hopefully jokes that kids will you know but will understand interestingly well. I also I had I would say, I mean, I don't know if you're going to, feel free to test me on it later, but my retention of the facts in there was pretty good. And I find that interesting because that is very much to do with comedy, isn't it? So if something's funny, I think you remember it more. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit like if you watch When Harry Met Sally, the line everyone quotes is, I'll have what she's having. Yeah. Less than the sort of emotional stuff because it's funny. Yeah. So I kept thinking, God, imagine if I could have had this as a kid, like, because I was always obsessed by comedy and a lot of kids are. Imagine if I'd have been taught history or science like that. I would have fucking loved it. I would have loved science. It's, yeah, I mean, the, I, hopefully it's a bit of a confidence trick that, you know, it says on the front that it's silly and it's disgusting and it's gruesome and whatever. And it is. Hopefully it delivers that. But at the same time, it is also telling kids things that they, they need to know for their, you know, for their education and their exams and their sort of general betterment but uh, I think as soon as something is labelled as educational yeah, yeah. It's, it's a natural turn-off and um, and 
you know, there are loads of people who do that. To that brilliant, our mutual friend uh, Connie Huck's written some brilliant um, books um, about uh, the Cookie series. She describes it as stealth learning in there, which is yeah. which is great. And that, and that, and I think that's even cleverer because that's that's packaged as fiction. And mm. these, this is telling telling stories. That, you know, I'm 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 quite open about the fact that I'm going to be telling you facts in a in a gross way. But uh, I think. I think there's, there's a move towards, towards that kind of thing. You coped with the difficult second album because you never had a difficult second album. You've just released the sort of Beatles back catalogue, essentially, and everything does well. And no, I had, to, I had my successful first album. Then uh, the Christmas, it was a lot shorter, so that was like a sort of... Uh, it was always intended uh, That was an EP. Be, yeah. And uh, <laughs> then I did my charity single. Uh, so, do they know it's Christmas? Yeah, yes, exactly. But you never had... I mean, ha, do you ever wake up in the middle of the night and think, oh, God, I hope this does all right? That's also one of my uh, motivations for, for putting the hours in and trying to get things right. Um, and not so much if it doesn't sell well, because most books don't, and there's the biggest, the biggest single factor is luck about how the... How, how the book sort of, how many copies it shifts. And there's a lot of books an awful lot better than, than mine that have sold an awful lot worse. And it's just, you know, it's just, that's just how it goes. But I just don't want, I don't read reviews really, because that doesn't help, but I just don't want the book that just quite, you can't avoid reviews because people at you in it on social media and whatever. And, uh, you know, and reviews from, Reviews from individuals are just as interesting as reviews from, from newspapers or whatever. But I just don't want the one where people are going, ah, he's lost it. I, yeah, he just sort of didn't, didn't work on this one, did he? So I think that, 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 that worries me. Um, ultimately, if a book doesn't sell well, that's my publisher's problem rather than, <laughs> yes. rather than mine. Uh, I, mean, I remember Neil Gaiman, you know, the writer said that to me once. Oh, Neil just... Gaiman, the writer? <laughs> So I know Neil Gaiman, the farmer. See, they relate. No, no. It's okay, Neil Gaiman, the writer. Yeah, go on. <laughs> Neil Gaiman. <laughs> what does he do, Adam? I believe he's a writer, <laughs> Emily Dean. <laughs> Neil Gaiman said to me exactly what you're saying. He said, with any writing with a book, he said, your job's done now. Right, should we go oh, up here, Pip? Oh, look. Should we go up? Country ways. Come on. Up. Good girl. Oh, Pip, there's a BMW coming. Thank you. I raised my hand. Oh wow, great. I felt really part of the country then. Uh, do, you, do you feel like a country squire? No, <laughs> no. I feel like someone on a day trip and I'm treated <laughs> as such by everyone else in the village. Um, the, um, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of agree and disagree a bit with, with that because actually, when you've when you've handed the, the book in, as you know, mm. I think you've probably done about a half of it. Yes, I know. Writing is very much a business, um, but part of that business is is the is the marketing yeah. and the and the events and that and that kind of thing. I do think with you, and I'm honestly not just saying this that you just you do seem very unchanged by your success, which is really lovely. I mean, I've I've, I've not had. You know, huge success. You know, compared to a lot of people, so that makes it easier to uh, to remain remain fairly normal. 
and also I've got James telling me I'm shit the whole time, so that really, <laughs> that really, that really helps bring bring me down a bit. So that's. Uh, that, is that that must be nice though, having that consistency that you're enjoying this together as well. That. Yeah, no, it is, awesome. and we, we work very, very closely uh, together on all of um, on all of the stuff. So, yeah, also it's it's good that we get on. It's good that we're able to work together. Because uh, lockdown meant that we were sort of working together, living together. You obviously moved here for a reason, and I think the fact that it's quieter here. You, I consider you um, someone who does an extrovert's job, but is innately quite introvert. Discuss. <laughs> Um, I certainly, I mean, I'm, I've been on a sort of, uh, relatively perpetual tour, um, of, uh, this is going to hurt, which has been an amazing thing to, to do. Oh, sorry. Hello. Oh, fresh, fresh fish ads. I think the most extroverted thing I do is, um, is going on stage. Yeah. Uh, which obviously, obviously pretty fucking extroverted, but I don't. Th I think I've had to. I've had to slightly learn how to enjoy it. I don't think I'm one of these people who is 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 you know powered by applause and has this you know absolute desire to to to, to go on stage. Um, but you're not. A lot of comics are sort of show offs in the room, socially, as well. do you know what I mean? They are you come saying off. I haven't been funny? <laughs> no. Wow. No, you, as, you are funny. Pitch, what I'm pitch, saying she said I wasn't funny. I didn't say she that. She said it, she's got, we've, got it, we've got it recorded. Let's put it this way. If someone else says something funny, you're happy to laugh. Very much. Do you much. know what I mean? Very much, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, come on, Pip. Adam, I think you're really good with Pip. Thanks, Emily. Come on, up, up. There we go. You've got a lovely relationship. Should we go through the village? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah let's have a quick. We're going to see the master's village. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I said to you before I came to Oxfordshire, I like visiting friends in the country because I can be very Jane Austen on. <laughs> and that's when I say, Mr. K, he's 300 a year. <laughs> I wonder if doing I suppose a job that required a great deal of discipline beforehand and checking in and... Do you think that's helped in terms of you not getting slightly lost in this? Yeah, I mean, I think it was, I think it was very useful doing a real job for a long time mm. before, before sort of joining the world of entertainment and writing and stuff like that. Because another thing is, once you've worked on labour board, you know, st something goes wrong, you know, oh no, this, the edit's been delayed for this reason, or, you know, or, you know, the, this thing that was meant to happen isn't going to happen, and, um, you know, um, Ellen said no, uh, you know, whatever <laughs> it is. Uh, nothing matters. It's like, the, when you've done a job where the stakes are 100%, Mm. When everyone's, you know, everyone's working really flat out and hard, but and and they think it matters and it really does matter, it's sort of moving to a world where everyone sort of acts like it's life or death, but actually, it isn't. I mean, the arts have absolutely enormous value, and I'll defend the arts to my death. But 
it is many steps removed from, you know, delivering a baby, saving a life, or, you know, whatever doctors, nurses, midwives, you know, do. It's, and like it's, it, that is, that job has changed me more as a person, you know, a hundred times more than anything that's happened since. Really? So, like, emergencies don't worry me. Whatever the emergency is, I sort of go somehow into this sort of doctor mode I was, I was, I was trained in. It's like, okay, well, the, uh, the substation is on fire, so I think at this point we, uh, we phone the number on the side, well, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yes, you are. Do you know, I've noticed that you're incredibly calm, aren't you, in a crisis? Um, yeah. And... Are we in a lot of crises? <laughs> Probably, yeah. You attract them, I diffuse them. <laughs> uh, but no, I think, I don't know, that, and that is definitely not something that is sort of innate to me. Um, like there was, we were, I was with, uh, I'd been with James's family mm. over Christmas up in, up in Scotland and to sort of, uh, to detox and, uh, and sort of, uh, should we cross here? Oh, isn't it okay. pretty, your, your local, we're just in Adam's local village, which is ever so pretty. We, so we're, co we're coming back from Scotland yeah. and, uh, and we thought, let's get a, let's get a night in a, in a hotel before we drive all the way back down to London. So it was oh, yes. going to somewhere in uh, Northumberland. And I don't, you know, I don't like to, don't like to place blame on, on, on anyone, of course, but I was driving and James was navigating <laughs> and he really, really fucked up. And we ended up on this, you know, at the end of Gladiator, where you have to run up a and Gladiator. The Travelator, yeah. So we ended up on that, um, except it was quite a lot narrower, slightly steeper. Like, um, I might be, I might, this might be my mind adding extra things, but I think on one side there was a sheer drop, on the other side, sharks, maybe. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And then it got higher and higher and narrower and narrower. And, and then sort of the ice appeared and then we, were, then we were on sheet ice. And at that point, the car was like, no, I'm done. And started just sort of sliding backwards. And so oh, in this sort oh. of Scotty, what's worse than a B road, D road, bridleway, whatever it was. And, um, and we sort of careering, careering backwards. And um, I was just like, okay, well, what we have to do here is, and it wasn't helped by James providing a sort of screaming soundtrack next to me. Um, but I like to see, I like to think James is the, uh, the me in the relationship. <laughs> what am I, Ray? <laughs> <laughs> Sit there quietly in a bag. And you've got beautiful hair. <laughs> and you're fully toilet trained. Fully toilet. You say that, but I've got a text. Do you want to read out this? Do you want to read out this? This text. Ray has immediately pissed and shat. Oh no. Ray has immediately pissed and shat on the living room floor. Can I tell you Hashtag the problem? fully trained. He is I mean, trained, but well, you know what? To do what? You've trained him to do that. He's been in the car. For two oh hours. I, we should have let him go to the bathroom. I see, that sorry, was my, my apologies. <laughs> I feel awful. Ray, I mean, he's shamed himself. This is awful. <laughs> I should have properly let him use the bathroom. He has been Sorry. in the car for two hours. He's got a very small right, bladder. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have mentioned that had you not, uh, had you not claimed <laughs> that Ray was toilet trained. So um, I feel you're in a very good place now. I feel you're happy what, with that Oxfordshire. job. Yeah. yeah, I agree. 
It's a lovely bit, but also I feel you're in a good space mentally. I am, yeah. I mean, there is... Did you struggle at all in lockdown, like, mental health-wise, Ads? Are you someone who... Uh, yeah, yes, yes, yes and no, but it's... Uh, I, I became... Any time, you know, I was struggling, I became acutely aware of my huge privilege. You know, I'm no one, uh, no one, no one close to me um, died, and which is not the, the case for everyone I know. And you know, I live in a house with a garden, mm. and I've got you know friends living in fifteenth floor flats with no balconies and a toddler, and I sort of. You know, my you know, work obviously sort of the brakes went on that, but I was able to sort of find other things to do in the absence of uh, in the absence of TV and um, and theatre and and lots of my friends, you know, really, really, you know, hugely struggled financially, obviously in the arts. Lots of people fell between the cracks of government funding. And so I sort of tried not to tried not to dwell on my myself too much and it's sort of it wasn't a it wasn't a particularly rough period for me but because I was in a sort of fairly lucky setup I guess and do you think because you got Pip was it during lockdown really it was, was during lockdown yeah. she was a 40th birthday present oh, um, yeah. and also I'm I'm not easy to to buy for um, because, not that I'm madly profligate, it's just that I spent a long time looking after myself and if I want the thing, I just get it. So it's like, anytime someone's like, what do you really need? I'm like, well, nothing, because I'd have bought it. The one thing that I've been saying for years and years and years about what I really, really want is a dog. And then, uh, so James was like, ah, gonna have to get him a bloody dog now. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and here we are. What were you not expecting about dog ownership and what surprised you? How expensive vets are and um, how I should have got uh, pet insurance right at the start rather than uh, once, she had, um, once she'd had a vet visit for every possible organ system. Uh, now rendering her, I think I can only get insurance for like her nose or something. <laughs> also, I've sort of, so you said before about, you know, I'm, I, I'm, uh, I'm on, on speed dial for... Um, for sort of friends who are yeah. happy to get the opinion of a doctor who really hasn't worked for a very, very long time. And, you know, even at his pomp wasn't great. So anyway, so I'm on that list. But And so, you know, lots of people, you know, I'm quite... Doctors are often slightly more laid back than, than civilians. It's like, oh, my God, what's this rash? Oh, my God, my child's vomited. Yes. You know, all that sort of stuff. And you sort of, as a doctor, you spend lots of time going, I, I think it's probably fine. I mean, I think it's probably just... <laughs> Just leave it. <laughs> Sounds like a virus, you know that sort of thing. And then, uh, as soon as Pip appeared, I turned into this anxious yeah. parent. And I think, you know, my my single biggest source of anxiety is uh, is sort of, uh, you know, and she was. Yeah, she wasn't eating properly and she was tiny and we and we got her at seven weeks which i think is quite young for a yes <gasps> tennis oh, ball ten pip oh wow see it was worth coming out you get a tennis ball um should we throw it to her as or does she just like to chew them she, she likes to chew them she can't catch 
okay. you know some dogs you throw a ball to them and they catch she's she's happy for it to just smack her on the side <laughs> of her head and bounce onto the ground roll and when it's reached a complete standstill she'll um she'll catch it i was surprised how much you love them to be honest oh yes so hang on so you're saying i'm someone who appears incapable of love no, how much? and this is the this is the final scene of the movie where i get a dog and my and my icy heart slightly thaws it's like the um the scene in the the dad who hates dancing in footloose you just see a little close up of him tapping his yeah head. exactly that's no i'm saying um, how much one so <laughs> i was surprised how much i loved ray is what i'm saying yeah you feel so utterly i imagine What's that other thing that people... Kids. Um, that's, the, that's the thing that people must have with kids, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so. Oh, Pip. Right, I think we're going to go in and have some lunch soon. Do you want another treat? <gasps> Do you want a treat? Do you want a treat, then you sit. <gasps> Look. Bloody sat. For the, for the record, oh, God. sit. Good girl. Good girl, Pip. Oh, have I you had an Airedale on the podcast before? Do you know, it's my first Airedale. <gasps> Pip, it's special, see? They're very, I mean, they're, I just think they're great. I mean, she's a wretch, obviously, but um, in general, they're great. They're very teddy bear looking, aren't she's they? She's so teddy bear. I absolutely love her. Oh, I can see why she makes you so happy, Adam. Before we um, let Pip go and have a lie down and work out what terrible things Ray has been up to inside with your husband, James. Well, the house doesn't look like it's on fire. So. <laughs> Tell me. What's the single thing you love most about having a dog, since you've got a dog? It's companionship, I think, and uh, no offence, James, uh, but um, it's just, so I, I often work quite late at night, that's just, um, I'm quite distractible, so that's a, it's a good time for me to, for me to write. Um, and it's just a sort of nice presence sitting there. I mean, who can't love someone who gives you unconditional love? Having said that, hers is quite conditional on treats. So if I've got a, if I've got like a bag bag of treats, I'm offered absolutely unconditional love. I think that's why she likes me. <laughs> the enormous bag of treats and the delicious microphone. Oh my God, she's got paws all over your top. Oh, I'm sorry. Bill me, bill me. That's <laughs> how it works on this podcast. Some clothing is always destroyed. Pip, you brought disgrace on the family. Jesus. I really hope you enjoyed listening to that and do remember to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes.